call it. Call it, yes. For what? Just call it. Welcome to episode 68 of Call It Friend of the podcast where two friends watch two films decided by the flip of a coin. This week, myself, Andy J. Ritchie, my co-host Donna Katirnan watch two films which are part of the new French extremity movement. Pascal Logier's Martyrs and Julia Ducourneau's Titan. As always, the podcast contains spoilers for the films right from the start. We also spoil Julia Ducourneau's other films, Junior and Raw, and The Departed for some reason. Check out JustWatch.com for streaming and rental options in your region. You can find us on Instagram at CallItFriendOfPodcast. Drop us a line there if any feedback or recommendations. Alors, s'il y a une vie après la mort, j'espère qu'elle sera pleine de voitures sexy. I like French films, transgressive, challenging French films. Were you challenged? I mean, more than usual. I don't know, was I? I suppose you just kind of got to get into French f- French film grammar, because it's like, you know, they, they're... Well, okay, Martyrs, I would put an exception to this, but both of the... Um, well, okay, so we were to watch uh, Julie Dussarnaud's Pam Dor winning film Titane this week, and I watched both to, of her. I'm films. gonna have to stop you there because oh, no. these films these films had a lot of brutality, but there will be yes. no greater violence inflicted than our attempts to say some of these people's names. <laughs> and Julie Discern Julie Discernier. Uh, what's her name? Julia Ducourneau. Julia. What did I Julia say? Julia Ducourneau. I don't know. You said fucking Steven Spielberg. <laughs> Julie Dukes. Julie Dukes. Yeah, Julie, Julie D. JD. Julie D. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Julie D. Yeah. What? These. Yeah, there was brutality in these films, weren't there? I have to nah, say, I though. they were all right. Well, I mean, did you enjoy them? Yeah, actually, actually, yeah. Being serious for a second, Go I would on. say all of the films I watched invoked some kind of physical reaction from me hmm yeah like i i I was hiding i said no a couple of times (laughs) i did feel a bit sick and i actually said no as well just to see if that had an effect my go-to is going ah jesus fucking christ something (laughs) like that that yeah yeah and i did that a lot for sure i don't take the lord's name in vain in that way or fuck me like i'll do a fuck me yeah i just Mm. say no yeah, no, no, no. you've told me that before. What was it? No, no, no. Oh, uh, Snowtown. Something recent. Yeah, Snowtown. Yeah, yeah, I said yeah, no to. Snow- I'll tell you what. To, on a starting note, it made me realize something, particularly with watching Martyrs. And Martyrs is, there's nary a glimmer of hope in, in Martyrs. You know, I mean, it's a fairly yeah, there weak is. premise. But the thing is, is I kind of realized why something like Snowtown particularly, I mean, I might even go as far as to say was a bit of a failure because uh, even with something like Martyrs, they kind of give you a way in via like the friendship of the two girls, let's say. That kind of gets you in on a human level. And uh, something like Snowtown just doesn't offer you anything like that. Now, to be fair to Martyrs, is like Snowtown is just painfully grounded in reality. And Martyrs, thankfully, lifts off the ground into some sort of weird eyes-wide-shut sci-fi cult, which, you know grants it a bit of levity when it gets goriest, even though those sequences have were the only part of the film that to me was truly disturbing. I don't know. How can you say Martyrs has no hope? It, it tells us that there's definitely an afterlife. It's great. Does it? I would shoot myself in the face if I had that confirmed. 
Do you think that's why she shoots herself, just to go off to the afterlife? That was my interpretation. What do you think? Uh, I think... She says, keep doubting. I think she was dealing with the sort of gravity of the... I think it was basically something like uh, Christopher Nolan keeping the top spinning at the end of Inception. But what do you think she said to her, like... uh, I don't think it matters. By the way... <laughs> there, there's totally a heaven. There's totally a heaven. I, I saw it because you keep, took my skin off. Yeah. <laughs> there's totally a heaven. Don't worry about it. It's all cool. Thank you for it's doing this. Smiling. This was really cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, because we the, could hang out. <laughs> the thing about martyrs is, I think martyrs is basically just uh, they're just trying to up the fuck with you level with every turn. You know what I mean? And whatever plot they can bring that together on, that's what they'll do it with. Like, at the point, uh, uh, there's a point where the film twists and it takes you to this eyes wide shut kind of, you know, layer sort of thing going on. And when it twists like that, you can totally see that, like, that's just a point at which they were like, okay, so what's next? We need to make it a twist so that this family is actually real. You know what I mean? They're just, it's just a, a sort of a roller coaster for your senses, basically, and your expectations. And I did really appreciate that about it. There's actually so little to the film. Yes. Like the vast majority of the time is just in the house. How did you, or why did you choose this film? Okay, so I suppose over the years, me being like, like I am, yeah, I fancy myself a horror fan. And, you know, I would constantly get from other horror fans, you've never seen Martyrs, like that. Or on a horror podcast that I listen to, they bring that up as quite a reference point of like a horror film that's transgressive on a scale, on the scale of something like The Human Centipede, but uh, has much more value than something like that. So I knew enough going, I knew that it was fairly, fairly gory. I've seen one other film in the uh, new French extremity horror movement, a film called High Tension. I think in Britain it was titled Switchblade Romance. Is that the Alexander Haja one? Or who directed that one? Could be Alexander... Hot Tension. Hot Tension, exactly. Hot Tension was directed by, yeah, Alexander... How do you pronounce it? Again, we've already given up. Is it Haja? Yes. Alexander Haja. Um, and I would say, I, I think that's a better film than Martyrs overall. I, I've watched it a couple of times over the years, and I, I acquired a copy again recently on The Strength of Martyrs to give that another bash. But um, I remember thinking, I mean, it's like, I mean, and I, you can do- totally see them linked into the same movement because, I mean, it is what it says on the tin. I, even though the movement was kind of termed as a sort of a pejorative by a film critic, I believe, yeah, these right. are... F- these are films that are sort of leaning into, I don't know, horrifying you, but not in a, for, like, I mean, there's stuff that, okay, I won't bring up Snowtown again. I don't know. Have you ever seen, apparently it's part of the movement as well. Have you ever seen Gaspar Noé's film, Irreversible? Yeah. yeah. Right. What do you make of that? I think Irreversible, I think the idea of it is maybe stronger than the execution. I do yes. like the idea of the of the scenes played backwards, but it's the characters are just so horrible. Like you know the the what's he called the tapeworm or whatever the yeah the whatever the kind of spoilers for irreversible, but the gay rapist of <laughs> gay rapist of the girlfriend. Uh, <laughs> he's uh, like he's, they're just so unlikable. I guess that's part of the point of that film movement is it's kind of delving into the dark side of humanity, but. Irreversible is not something that I ever want to see again. I'm okay. 
I just think Gaspar Noé is a creep. <laughs> that's, that's my summation. I've seen three of his films, and if they're any representation of the man, I never want to meet him. He's a creep. I think a few French filmmakers give off that vibe. I'd say Pascal Logier might be another guy. What's, what's he behind? Uh, a film called Martyrs. Maybe you heard oh, of it. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't have his name front and center. I'm, I was more on the <laughs> yeah, Julie, well, Julie D. Camp. But, uh, well, yeah. I, think that, I, think that's, I think that is a big difference between the films that we watched this week, is that Martyrs is a film directed by martyrs, <laughs> directed by itself. Yeah. Whereas Raw and uh, Titan, are these, the, the focus is a lot more on the director. Yeah, I can see what you're saying about uh, about him perhaps being a little bit of a creep, and I think that comes to the fore much more in the latter half of the film because, like, there's cartoonish like gore a lot of the way through, right? Um, and you can see that one of the characters is tormented, one of the characters that performs a lot of the violence, let's say. But then there's this about a ten minute sequence where uh, the main girl, the remaining girl, is just getting pulverized by this dude in her underpants. And it's fucking horrible. It's like, it's like it reminded <laughs> me. you of... said in her underpants made me laugh. But... <laughs> yeah, he's the big guy is wearing her underpants, <laughs> yes. and she's saying, "Give me back my underpants." And he's going, "No," and beating the shit out of her. No, and it like it's. I don't know is the word exploitative. I don't think it is. It just feels like very sort of reductive. I mean, it's a, it's it, it needn't have been that long that sequence. I suppose is what I'm getting at. It be, you very like, you very much know what's going to happen. Yeah. And I guess for me I was kind of like, yeah, do I need to see her getting punched in the face repeatedly? No is the fucking answer like, yeah, <laughs> I I'm totally with you. That like I mean, and it's stuff like that that I don't know when for example, what's that na- that Hungarian pretentious filmmaker called Belatar? Yeah, Belatar. He's got like basically exclusively pretentious films. Don't watch any of them, okay? But he's got this like he lo- he'll love like focusing in on just somebody doing a mundane task for fucking ten minutes or whatever. And uh, like I think stuff like that that sequence that we just discussed in Martyrs is actually like. It's of a similar sort of ilk. It's just like they're focusing in on it for the sake of it. But it's not like, you know, I mean, that's just they're just playing on your senses in a very brutal, blunt way. And it's not necessary and it's not artistic, despite what they might think it is. Similarly, with Gaspar Noé's, you know, 10 minute uncut rape scene or Vincent Cassell bashing that fella's head in with a fire extinguisher. It's like, yeah, I get what you're doing here. I mean... But, you know, it, it, it's nothing special, is what I would say. Whereas there is a large stretch of martyrs that I think is actually, it's top-tier, really tense, admittedly brutal filmmaking. Which section is that? The home invasion? The home invasion and what follows, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, uh, this, some, I think Martyrs first came to my attention not that long after it came out. One of, uh, one of my good friends was a really big fan of the film, which asks more questions about his mental state than anything else. But <laughs> he, uh, he basically told me scene by scene what happened. But I think what was quite surprising watching it is that the whole eyes wide shut element that you're talking about happens relatively late on in the film. Because I very assumed... Late, yeah. Because I'd assumed that that's what it was all about. I didn't realize that the vast majority of it was just spent with the, the two girls in the house beating the shit out of the family. Yeah. It kind of... Uh, it was, I, I liked it a lot more than I thought I was going to. Well, I quite enjoyed it 
as well, just for like being what it is, it was only when it kind of got sort of that, it, when it really put its, uh, I don't know how better to put it, but its misogynistic sadist hat on, for want of a better mm-hmm. set of words, that I kind of fell away from it a little bit. And you know me, I mean, I hate women, but not like that. Not um, like that. Exactly. So yeah, I I wasn't too chill with that, for want of a better word. But there, there, there were other stuff in it that I really, really did enjoy. Yeah, I thought like the, I thought it opens great. You know, that her doing a sort of a clammy limp away from her kidnappers in her underpants was like just it's quite a bold way to open a film, I thought. I thought the friendship between the girls was moving. The hallucinations of the torture victim were good. Every, but then, and the martyr stuff was even interesting. But I do think the martyr stuff felt like, okay, uh, we got 25 minutes left. What are we going to do? The whole, I find the the concept of a martyr, <laughs> the way they talked about it. Yeah. I just kind of going like, what? What are you talking yeah. about? Yeah, yeah. They don't explain what it. What is for this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, this, look, look at the face, martyr. Yeah, so? it's like, I'm there watching going, I don't think, maybe martyr means something different in France. But well, like, that's what we find out at the end of the film. It means witness. Ah, Yes. I don't remember that. I watched this one week ago, which says that's something a, for the that's film, the very I suppose. End, the very end of the film, it, it says martyr from the Greek. Witness. Martyr, I suppose. Can I get a martyr? Anyway, fuck this. <laughs> I uh, just, uh, like, looking at, the rest of, looking at the rest of Pascal Logier's filmography, I just get the sense that this is a real high point for him. Well, and it was pretty big, wasn't it? Yeah, and I haven't seen anything else. I mean, looking at the rest of his uh, filmography it seems like most of what he's done is kind of middle of the road horror mm. that hasn't caught on like this. He's also got a few sort of I don't know negative stories against him. Oh really? Sexy a stuff. A couple of things that happened. Nah, there's one where uh, so basically, and he in the making of the film uh, Ghostland, there was a very controversial onset accident. Oh and yes, uh, this lady got her, her face uh, torn up by broken glass, right? That's right. In December yeah. 2016, actress Taylor Hickson was facially disfigured while shooting a scene for the film. She was rushed to the ho- rushed to the hospital and received 70 stitches, but was permanently Jesus. scarred. In March 2018, Hickson sued the film's production com- company Incident Productions over lost work as, as a result of the incident. Uh, Hickson claimed in the lawsuit that in the course of shooting the scene, the director Pascal Logier consistently told Hickson to pound harder on the glass with her fists. Oy. And then, while filming another take, the lawsuit states the glass shattered, causing her head and upper body to fall through the door in shards of glass. As oh a result of word. the incident, she badly cut the left side of her face. I just thought that sort of stuff happened around Alec Baldwin. Well, apparently this was the uh, the proto-Baldwin. Both of Run. the lead actresses in this film said they would never work with Logier again. She's not murders. really a surprise. Yeah, because they yeah, would, I would get that. such physical and mental torment. Yeah, that would say, like, I, it, uh, stuff like this now always takes me back to, um, v- recently enough, I was reading a big interview with um, Shelley Duvall about her experience on The Shining, and, um, d- d- like, con- like, contrary to what an awful lot of people, like, you know, I mean, people will say, and there's evidence enough, I suppose, if you watch the making of, that, like, Stanley Kubrick put it through hell or whatever, but what Shelley Duvall says is, like, okay, I suppose it was particularly difficult for me, but she said she didn't blame him specifically. He just it just said that that was her character, and he was so specific about the way he wanted stuff. So she would end up like crying all day, every day for a fucking month, and it just kind of became sort of way too much. 
you know, and uh, so and she ended up like you know stepping back from her career a good bit. I I understand from that, but like then if you the difference is with something like this, it's just. You know, I mean, it's like I, like I said earlier. The, the imagine like do, do just doing scenes all day, being brutalized in your underpants by a giant man, and you know everybody on set. You, I mean, it just it does sound like very fucking tough going. It sounds like almost, you know, it's like whenever those um, statements came out against the director of Blue is the warmest color. If you've ever seen Blue is the warmest color, Abdelatif Kachichi, something yeah. like that. I mean, there's a film now where, you know, I, you think I would say that uh, there are certain scenes I've watched more than others, but that's actually not the case. I've, I've seen the whole, the whole film twice, uh, the full way through, and I think it's brilliant. But you, you, when you hear the actors felt like a little bit exploited and having seen that film, you go, yeah, I, I kind of get Makes that. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it feels that way watching it. So that none of that really surprises me about Martyrs. It, I, I like, I mean, I'll, I forget the name of the... Um, film scholar who came up with it, a fem- feminist film scholar. She wrote an awful lot about David Lynch. She talks an awful lot about, like, uh, the male gaze of cinema in certain films, and you can f- you can actually feel, despite the fact that there being much more sex and nudity in both of Julie D's films, you can feel, it just feels less pervy than Martyrs, I would say. What would you say yeah, to that? She, yeah, she had some male gaze in her films. She did, uh, yes. Like, the one in Raw, the boyfriend. Yes, he's he a male gay. One. Yes. And then all the firemen in T10. Hey, I don't know about that. <laughs> we'll get to that when we get to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, it's, uh, there was a lot of nudity in, uh, I, I, I don't, and Martyrs didn't, Martyrs didn't have any nudity. It did have like ladies in their pants were getting their heads shaved. Mm. But Raw and Titan had nudity in them that again was some of the unsexiest nudity that I've seen of late. Hell yeah. I can't remember what else. We, we watched something co- uh, a few months ago that had a similar level of unsexiness of nudity. Oh, I believe it was um, the Julie, the, the Claire Denis film in space. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, High Life. High Life, that's right. That's yeah. true. What's Shagging Arpat. Ooh, that was rough. What, what yeah. I really appreciate, this, uh, I, I read one story about Pascal Loger. At one point, he was slated to helm a Hellraiser reboot but left due to creative differences. And uh, this is the best difference of vision I've ever heard. Logier wanted his film to be very serious and explore gay S&M culture, whereas the producers <laughs> wanted the film to be more commercial and appeal to a teen audience. <laughs> I mean, the mad That's thing is... a slight is, creative difference. If you've, if you've seen um, the original Hellraiser, I mean, they would be more in that director's camp, I think, than... The, yeah. I, Hellraiser's a difficult one to make commercial. I mean, I quite like it for what it is, but it's a it's a it's an insane kind of... It's like an X-rated Tim Burton uh, <laughs> kind of, yeah, super camp uh, horror film, you know? It's not... I don't know how you can give that film broad mainstream appeal, quite frankly. You know, I mean, maybe by making the Hellraiser guy, uh, like, you know... Cast pinhead. Tom Holland and Zendaya. Indeed, yes. You make Pinhead only uh, hunt down racist cops. Pinhead uh, could be some kind of uh, Beetlejuice character. Hellraiser. get Michael Keane involved. It's been yeah, well, years, you've got those, but... Those, what, like, what, what? Cenobite characters, and they're traveling time and space because they've... They're, they're like, like pain? Yeah, because they've done everything. They're like, all right, we've done it all. We've done it. Doggy style and side to side. 
we died, we tried everything, and now we just need to get into some S and M stuff. So yeah, maybe Logier was right. And the central premise is like this guy comes back to his brother, and he it turns out that he, he's been dis- he's been gone for years, and it turns out he used to have it off on the regular with his brother's wife, and then they start mm-hmm. that affair again. But then it's something to do with the Xenobites. I don't know. Yeah, it's a mad old movie. I thought Martyrs, the filming, like the way Martyrs was shot felt kind of haphazard at times. Just you've got Steadicam shots mixed in with Dutch angles. The soundtrack really bothered me early on. There's like a high tension scene that has almost like slapstick music mm. played over the top. But then towards the end, I, I really like the score towards the end. It's by a, a French duo called Sepuku Paradigm, one of the worst named bands of <laughs> yes, all time. I would agree. So you know that they're French. <laughs> I but thought, it, yeah, it just Martyrs just felt like it lacked, I don't know, a, uh, like a clear, cohesive style. So when we got round to, well, when mm-hmm. I got round to watching Raw after this, I noticed a big jump up in quality. Well, yeah, she's a much more accomplished filmmaker. But one thing I'll give uh, give uh, Mr. Martyrs is like he does. From the moment the home invasion begins, there's a real sustained adrenaline in the in the film mm-hmm. for like you know right up until right up until that guy starts beating the shit out of her in the basement, um, which I do feel slows it down and dulls it a little, little bit until we get you know all skinless. Uh, that's that'll you know put hairs on your chest. That bit, but it's mad because it, to say it once again, that bit of violence, despite the fact it's disturbing, is quite cartoonish. Um, even in terms of squeamish stuff, it's not the like for me the grimmest bit of violence in it is probably when she's plucking staples out of that lady's head, which is yeah. fairly gross. But yeah, the, the just the guy beating the shit out of the woman is more disturbing than anything that. But the adrenaline that they achieve with the home invasion and sustained throughout, I think, is is pretty cool. Like I said, the the end reasoning for the martyrs type cult thing. I don't know, does the screenwriter or the director, maybe they're, are they the same person they are, yeah. Has yeah, Logier wrote this as well. He said he was inspired after watching Eli Roth's Hostel. I mean, there you go. Yeah, because they've got no, they don't have any real interest in the martyr's twist or anything like that. It's all just about torturing the girls and the well, family this is the other stuff. thing. He says, uh, the other difference, he says, uh, uh, Logier said that martyrs is about pain rather than torture. Whatever, Whatever dickhead. Means. Yeah, yeah, fuck <laughs> off. Um, I want these girls to be in pain. I don't want to see them tortured. Like, because the thing is, is like, I'm recently after uh, finishing um, watching the OA, all of the OA, right? And uh, I have to say, and that's kind of about the exploration of the idea of maybe an afterlife, parallel uh, universes and shit like that. And they're, that's all they're interested in. Um, so if you're looking for, you know, an exploration of the, an actual exploration of the themes that Martyrs claims it has, I would recommend checking out the OA, even though it, it did get cut prematurely. It's it's really, really quite a piece of work. But I don't think he could give less of a fuck about that final part of the film, really. I think it's just a means to an end. Like, I, I, But there are certain choices that I think elevated a little bit. Like, I think the time jump from when they're kids to just the family mm-hmm. sitting at the eating breakfast i thought that was <laughs> that's quite that's quite a bold choice i thought when the guy I goes to- I, uh, the, the, what, what i liked about that about the family kind of just sitting there was i immediately didn't like them <laughs> and huh. i was going like where, where are they going with this huh. and then when uh Lucy, when uh, Lucy turns up at the house and starts murdering people, it's kind of on her side. <laughs> They'd done nothing wrong. I just, I didn't like the da- the son and daughter. 
Yeah, they were awful. Turns out they weren't even the worst ones. Wow. Lucy Lucy did what she had to, so. Yeah, no, I thought that was um an interesting sort of an elevation straight when she arrives at the door. I thought the yeah, even though they're not very interested the they're not actually interested in the martyrs thing. They're interested in the twist. And actually that whole Dr. Caligari subversion that the family actually were you know, murdering children for, you know, their culty reasons. That was a decent enough twist, I thought. Did you? Yeah, I just wonder, like, practically, are we supposed to believe that the kids did know or didn't know? I would say didn't know. That's pretty hard. That's a hard business. I'd say fair play to the family for keeping that going for years. Well done to them. That's that's a level of dedication that you have to respect. If you were to, like, kind of... (laughs) Just define what Martyrs is about on like a plot level or an abstract level. What would you say? I would lead with the Martyrs part. Like if I had to explain the story to people, I would say like there's a big group. There's a lady who wears a headscarf who's probably close to death who's trying to figure out if there's an afterlife. But that's kind of a twist, isn't it? I know that's a twist, but that's why I would lead with though. That's Mm. how it was explained to me. Okay, so you want to ruin it for everybody else. Well, I mean... (laughs) Well, it depends if you're telling me to, like, first of all, I don't think I'd be really advising people to watch it. That's fair. It's fine, but I'm not going to go out of my way to say people should see it. I I knew what it was about and decided I don't really need to watch this for I might recommend it to people just, you know, as a goof so that they'd come back to me and go, what the fuck was that? But if I had to explain the plot and it didn't matter about the twist, I I would lead with the twist. I would say it's just... I think a... narratively that's the important... Or narratively that's the thing that, like, wow them in the end type thing. I think that's what audiences took away from it was, like, that's fucked up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I would say it's more about, like, sort of leaning into unpleasantness in a way that I, you usually only find in heavy metal lyrics of the likes of bands like Pig Destroyer or Cannibal Corpse. I'm not familiar with those bands. I recommend... I need to uh, expand my... I recommend the Cannibal Corpse song, I Come Blood. That sounds like a nice little ballad. I have the quote here from uh, critic James Quant, mm-hmm. who, uh, who coined the new French extremity name. Here's what he said on the subject. Bava as much as Bataille, Salo no less than Sad, mm. as in Marquis, Marquis de Sad, seem yeah. the determinants of a cinema suddenly determined to break every taboo, to wade in rivers of viscera and spumes of sperm. Spumes of sperm. That's lovely. I love that. Jesus. To fill each frame with flesh, nubile or gnarled, and subject it to all manner of penetration, mutilation, and defilement. Good God. I mean, you had me at uh, spumes of sperm. Spumes of sperm. Mm. I I can't tell by his writing whether he's on the side of it or not. Um, Allegedly, he was. Uh, it was a, a somewhat pejorative term. Like I said, he doesn't I ent- like spumes of sperm. He's not fans of rivers of viscera. That's one of my favorite <laughs> metal bands. I also um, enjoy. Uh, I like their first album, Spumes of Sperm. Did these uh, cast members go on to do anything interesting or have anything interesting about their lives? There is only one cast member that I even want to comment on because the answer to your question is no. Okay. I thought the performances were good from uh, the two ladies and anyone else around. Completely fine. Again, don't speak French particularly. I mean, I I do understand more or less, but uh, I don't consider myself a French native speaker. Uh, You're not a Francophile. No, that's disgusting. 
I've been accused. Just, they, those Franco files. Those Franco files. The charges files, did not like, stick. As far as I'm as as far as I'm concerned, if you're a Franco file, there's no way back into society for you. You need to be put down like an animal. I was a Franco file. I even I signed up for his acting school. All he did was I can't fuck believe, me. I can't believe I'm doing a podcast with a convicted Franco file. It's disgusting. <laughs> All right. Any, yeah, so the only really notable cast member in my book is, uh, and, and and my book is the one that counts, obviously, is uh, Xavier Dolan, who plays Xavier Antoine Belfont. Yeah, he's the kid. He's the boy in the family. What? Yeah, okay. It's, it's, Xavier, it's old Xavier Dolan. He's uh, He's gone on to great critical success as a director, winning a number of awards at Cannes for his films, such as Mommy, and It's Only I- the End of the World. I've only seen um, Tom at the Farm, but it's really good. I would like to watch more of his films. I think you might re- you might like this uh, Xavier Dolan uh, trivia. He's also the French dub voice actor for Ron Weasley in the Harry Potter films and Stan Marsh in South Park. That's pretty cool. That's good, isn't it? Respect mm. to Xavier Dolls. Al Xavier Dodo, yeah. Literally everyone else in the film is inconsequential and do not get a do not get a mention in my book, the big book of cast members. Fair enough. Available twenty twenty eight. I mean, so that's it. My that's film, was, my chosen film, was the poorer show this week. I think we can admit that. It's just interesting to me that this came up on your radar. I guess uh, horror slashers. This is and the Jalo and things like that. That's mm. that's big. You're you're big into this. These yeah. kind of things. I mean, you like I'm... seeing ladies tortured. <laughs> Some of your best uh, daughters are female. Though. I suppose. I suppose, I mean, with the Jalo stuff, I'm just sort of interested in film history a little bit. But also, I suppose, as a fan of horror, you're just always kind of looking for something new that'll be a new buzz for you. Do you know what I mean? Like, I remember the first time I watched Blair Witch Project having a distinct feeling of, what the actual fuck is this? I'm terrified, you know what I mean? Um, And, you know, I suppose you're always kind of chasing that dragon. Yeah. I thought Martyrs was fine. I don't need to revisit it. I did find the uh, creepy lady creepy. Mm. The sort of uh, psychological manifestation of Lucy's torture rather disturbing. That worked quite well for me. And uh, I don't like seeing people slitting their wrists or trying to chop off their arm, chop off their hand. I, I don't need to see that. Do you like uh, completely unnecessary uh, just uh, dropping teenage lesbians into your story? Or at least one? Uh, are they teenagers? I don't know what they are. But, what, like, yeah, they, that was a, I, I felt like that was an odd choice. Well, I mean, you take what you can get. Also, it's France. Anything goes. This is true. Okay, All so right. lady's running by a canal. She's escaped from, like, some people who are fucking torturing her and shit. A young girl called Lucy Girard. Yeah, yeah. She ends up in an orphanage, I'm, I'm going to say. Yep. And she gets paired up with this other girl. And, called and Anna she, Asui. Yeah. Asui. And she's plagued by nightmares of a weird sort of a tortured thing following her around and trying to stab her and stuff. A very disturbing, uh, emaciated Yeah, that is lady. disturbing. That's probably the scariest thing in the film, I would say. I think so. I think they yeah. use. I think uh, Logier utilizes that quite well early on, and to, to a sense that you think like that's what the film's all about. Yeah. Uh, even early, like early on, you're like, "Is this a supernatural film? Is that what they're what he's getting at here?" Mm. So cut two years later. Fifteen and, years later. 
yeah, Javi Dole, Javi Doles is having breakfast with his family. Um, he's a bit of a shit. Has to there. Um, but his parents. Why are is also, he a shite bag again? Just because he dropped out of school or something? His parents yeah, haven't yeah. spent a lot of money on his uh, education and are complaining. But his mum is being quite mean about it. I remember thinking. <laughs> I remember thinking it's a bit harsh. You know what I mean? He's only a kid. But anyway, she does seem quite like a French mother. Is that how they are? I don't know. At least in film, quite hard. Right. Anyway, the the doorbell ding dongs and out the pop. And sure, wouldn't you know it, it's the lady who was tortured, but she's grown up now and she has a shotgun and she, on the doorstep, shoots the guy in the stomach. Daddy. Yeah. F- wanders into the house. I believe the next person to get it is um, the daughter. Is it? I thought it was Chavi Dolls. No, I think Chavi Dolls is the last to get it. Oh, no, the daughter is the last to get it. Yeah, Chavi Dolls gets it next. Then the mother, and then the daughter has meanwhile hid under the bed. She almost almost gets away uh, while uh, the, the young lady is reloading her shotgun, but then she does not. Next, she phones her mate, who's Anna from when she was young. Who's sitting outside in a, a very French-looking car. It's like a Citroen or something. Yes. And then she rings her on like a phone, uh, at a phone booth, like, you know, in Grand this Theft is, uh, This is 1986. Which I don't know why if that has any relevance to the plot. Yeah, because the the first scene takes place in 1971. Huh. That yeah, that has no relevance to the plot at all. I don't know if that was just to avoid like mobile, mobile phones. phones and yeah, stuff. probably. Anyway, and the then, internet. Uh, her mate comes along, and we it we figure out that she saw a photo in the paper, and she's like, "That's the boys that were torturing me when I was a kid. I'm gonna fucking fuck them up." The mother of this family was. Uh, responsible for feeding Lucy Jaram when she was being kept in this warehouse place and tortured. But like, mm. if you'd if you'd let the young girl escape, I w- don't know about you, but I would be making sure that like my face was never photographed and put into newspapers. Yes, yes, that's fair enough. But like I, you know, like I mentioned, I don't think. This guy's so much concerned with plotting as he is with, you know, getting us to... He's like the Christopher McQuarrie, but with torture scenes. You know, get he's to like, the damn face punching part. Yeah, Let's yeah, get these ladies like, punched. We don't how need are we going to get these ladies <laughs> from A to beaten up in a basement? <laughs> when, when can we get the big guy to start punching a poor defenseless lady in the face? This is what yeah. the audience wants. Let's get to the meat and veg. Yeah, the guy's interview. He's like, yeah, I actually prepared for the role for six months. It just, uh, I just high. wrote all this other shite around the scene to see yeah. to to pad out the rest of the film. But ideally, I wanted this to be a ten minute short film of a man punching a woman in the face. Anyway, both girls in the house, and one of them the is the crazy torture lady, and the what are their names Lucy. again? Lucy's Lucy. a crazy torture lady. The crazy lady who was tortured, and Anna is the other one. Mm-hmm. So it seems like Anna is immediately tasked with all of the legwork, getting rid of the bodies. Which she does, but then actually, like, she's horrified by the whole situation. Clearly, she didn't think Lucy would just massacre the whole family. That's um, what friendship means. This is it, yeah. So Lucy's just hanging out in the house, and then Anna realizes the mother might still be alive. So she's trying to help her get her out of the house. We see a little bit of a way in, a bit of compassion. Also, Anna thinks that uh, Lucy Lucy's crazy and that none of yeah. the torture stuff happened. And, you know, she doesn't believe that this family were responsible for what happened to her. Yes, because they're a family. How could a how could a, a person who's had children be a bad person? Mm, exactly. Mm. Um, in the meantime, Lucy, uh, no, Anna tries to smooch Lucy. Lucy's not interested. 
which uh, sucks for Anna, I guess. I was for some reason, yeah, I mentioned it earlier, but that little inclusion, it felt to me very like I don't know. Do you remember um, the Russian Eurovision band Tattoo, where they did the lesbian kiss in the video? Do I? Of course. <laughs> yeah, it just kind of felt to me like, all oh, right, so we've all got the our things two- you said. All the things you said. Yes, running, running through, through my, my head. Head running through my head, and they smooch in the video. I felt like that was. It, that little inclusion was just as like, oh, well, we can't have these two scantily clad girls and not have one attempt to smooch the other. But anyway, no, France. Lucy is still haunted by um, this weird figure who runs around the place trying to get at her. And then we find out that actually that is kind of a demon sort of in her head that follows her around because she left a girl behind in the weird torture pit where they were. Yeah. Right. Had that girl been, f- had the one that she left behind been flayed? Um, just she's just all, all sorts scarred of and yeah. yeah, yeah, she's not looking great. And it looked like they'd not made, they maybe sewn her mouth shut or something, or yeah, like yeah, cut her tongue out or all sorts of nasty. Next thing, uh, basically, Lucy turns on Anna, and Anna kind of has to kill her. You know, that's what happens, right? I thought uh, Lucy killed herself, or does Anna? Kill oh her? yeah, no, 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 no. You're right. Lucy uh, try, uh, yeah, Lucy commits suicide. She slits her throat. Mm. That's right. She's, she's already her the front. sliced up her her wrists. Yeah, because she reckoned from she, like, by cuts killing the length the, of her arms by killing the family, she'd get rid of the weird demon thing. But it's not the yeah. case, so she she just kills herself. So then, um, Anna is like left in the house. <laughs> it's one of the, one of the few moments in the film where I actually like slightly cared about the welfare of a character enough to to mention something to the screen. I was just like, just get out of there get now, out of the house. Yeah, just get. There's get, no get reason for gone. her to stick around. Just get the fuck out of there. Get, no there's probably there's probably a, a nice shower, clean clothes. Get out of there. Set fire to the house. Steal some money. Get gone. It's also 1986. No one cares. Yeah, exactly. There's no, <laughs> there's no internet. Do whatever you want. Exactly. Just drive if two I towns can over. Time travel back to 1986. I'll just be exclusively be doing crimes. <laughs> I'll just be doing murders everywhere, and no one will know. It's yeah. 1986. Next up, anyway. Uh, fucking. Oh yeah, she hears this wee noise behind a bookshelf, and she travels down to the basement. Oh my god! Turns out they were torturing people, and she finds this girl with this helmet stapled yeah. on her head Sarah um, apparently she's called yeah she's having an awful old time but anyway um, Anna she tries... does look a little she looks like she's in a, a, a slight level of discomfort that she's yeah 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 not a good year for Sarah Anna only tries to be nice to her give her a bath and take the staples out of her head probably the gnarliest oh, moment in God. the movie oh, that's disgusting uh, that's is, the kind yeah. of thing where I said to myself i probably shouldn't be eating breakfast while i watch this <laughs> did you watch this in the morning <laughs> no i don't think so I, I don't know if i was eating or not but i definitely i think i'd just eaten after i watched it and I, there's a couple of scenes where i just went Bruh. my my mm. stomach isn't like a reactionary in that kind of a way i'm sure i would have been grand but yeah yeah there are like the staples for me is definitely the worst of the the lot that's really really gross yeah um, i don't like to see misuse of office equipment like that <laughs> anyway next day cuz anna's mental and still hasn't left she, like the lady is like uh, Sarah is like self-harming she sees bugs in the wall and she's cutting herself and stuff Ugh, she's trying to chop her hand off yeah Ugh. yeah yeah oh that's gross actually yeah, that bit. don't like that and then 
all of a sudden, these people arrive and shoot her in the face like Leo in The Departed. Spoilers for The Departed folks there. Um, <laughs> Just throw that in for no reason. Indeed, yeah. Leo bites it near the end. Um, and Teddy from Hang Time. Oh, yeah. And then it turns out that there's this cult or organization whereby they reckon people who are close to death see the afterlife or something. So they have this system whereby they just torture the shit out of people and are really mean to them when they're feeding them as well. There's that There's that aspect of the torture. They spoon food in their face and then slap them if they don't eat. They're trying uh, to find a passage into uh, John Malkovich's brain. This is it, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they are actually... They look those, a bit like that. That kind of organization, yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> they're a they're similar all good bunch. friends, and they're, they're trying to get into the afterlife. Yeah, yeah, and they're all old, old, just old, old people trying to old, discover old the afterlife. Old, and they've got money. Yeah, yeah. So then eventually, they flay her and take off all her skin, and it's really, really, except for around her face, presumably so well, she can still they, blink. After they beat her up and tortured her. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. They just punch her in the face. It's awful. Um, or the other, that's largely it. And then they feed her the disgusting sort of pea smoothie that she spits mm, out. Yeah, that's the torture. They feed her, are mean to her, and uh, punch her in the face. But then they get back up to the living room of the house and they're like, oh my God, it's so amazing. It's so beautiful. What's happening <laughs> down there? She's um, becoming a martyr. And then this uh, old lady who seems to be the head of the whole organization um, just when she's all flayed, they decide they're going to have a big conference in the house because she whispered something to the old lady. And the old lady's going to tell all the other old people what she whispered to them. But then, just before she might do that, she says, ah, go fuck yourself, San Diego, and shoots herself in the bathroom. That about it? Yeah. The yeah. old lady has uh, decided, and she says to the guy, keep doubting. Yes. And the thing that it says at the end is it says, uh, yeah, the intertitle informs the audience that martyr is Greek for witness. Mm. And Anna dies, unsurprisingly, given that she lacks skin, except for on her face. Yeah, so she can blink. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. It is what it is. Probably wouldn't recommend it to people, quite frankly. It's fine. It's 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 another one that's like a tick on the list. It was Mm. entertaining enough. I don't know if entertaining's the right. It, it it was effective enough where I it, it invoked, like I said, like a physical reaction at times, or me going no. I would say it's all you can ask for. I would say it's vastly inferior to the other film that yeah. we watched this week. Also, what? Pascal <clears throat> Pascal Logier said that when he wrote the film, he was uh, very depressed, and uh, that uh, led to the quite nihilistic tone of it. Fair enough. I can I can see that. In the film. Whereas I think that when we talk about Julia Ducourneau, I feel like uh, her films come from a very different place. Yeah. So how, did you watch everything she's done this week? Well, I didn't watch the TV movie called Monge or Eat that uh, she right. made, which is about a recovering bulimic seeking revenge on her college tormentor. But I think you could see like even that TV movie, it's all part of the same she has such a clear theme running through all of her work about yes. body horror. She's a she's a a film director now who's uh, established herself purely on the sound effect of a rumbling stomach. Go on. <laughs> That's it. Her films all include someone going like. Brr. She knows how to make a stomach rumble. 
Did you watch that short? I film? don't. I don't. I don't mean this is a, this is not a uh, what's his name quant criticism. I think it's mm. uh, it's it's they're they're all really effective. Yeah. So I watched uh, I watched Raw first, and then I was able to get a hold of Junior Junior, which is on YouTube. I'll put the link in the show notes mm. because I, I send the link to you. There's a I didn't get uh, a chance a YouTube, to watch it. There's a YouTube channel called Famous First Films, mm. and it's got like. I don't know if it's hundreds. There's a lot of uh, short films and first films from famous directors on there. It's very good. Mm. Shall I tell you about her first film, Junior, then? Do, yeah, yeah. Give me give me a blast. So it's a 20-minute uh, short. It stars Garance Marillier as uh, Justine, a character called Justine, huh. much like she plays in Raw and Titan. She's like a 12, 11, 12-year-old 12 12 tomboy and uh, her body is going through changes. At a certain point, she has like a kind of upset stomach. And then uh, her skin starts shedding like a snake. And she goes from an uh, overnight from an awkward tomboy into becoming like a young girl. And she, and she kisses one of her gangmate type friends. So it's just basically that the film is about puberty and the changes in a, a girl's body. Yeah. It's very nicely shot. I liked it. It's very disgusting as well. All part of uh, yeah, all part of the same family of uh, of uh, work. Then I would say. I mean, it, it really slots in nicely into her body of work, as far as I can tell. What mm. is body horror? What is it? Yeah, yeah all the, <laughs> I can, I could tell you from watching these films, it's anything that's disgusting and wrong about the human <laughs> body. When the human body does stuff that it's not supposed to do, and your reaction is yeah. I wouldn't even say that. No, no. I think, like, okay, not supposed to do as in, yeah, but like, I mean, there's the titanium stuff, which is just, like, not real. But then, I don't know. It's like, do you know what's a really interesting evolution of body horror? So the king of body horror is probably David Cronenberg, I would say. Um, Mm -hmm. And, um, like, I would say his, even though it's not the best film, the most body horror film there is, is Videodrome, as far like, it's just, that's just nuts how, it, like, and it's, that's quite of a piece with, t- with, uh, Titane, I'm gonna say, but, um, Titan. Titan, that's quite of a piece with that, because it's, you know, machinery, and, like, you know, interlocking with flesh, etc., but when Cronenberg sort of left that passage of his career behind he took his body horror lessons onto the first two films he made with them um, Viggo Mortenstern because like a history of violence is sort of a sort of a straight up sort noiry tale but the violence in it is pure Cronenberg there's a part where a guy's nose gets smashed off his face and then it, similarly like Eastern Promises opens up with somebody's throat getting slit but there's their throat gets slit like a David Cronenberg throat slit you know it's it's quite gory I just think, I think, on in one sense, yeah, it's what you're talking about. It's just gross. <laughs> but on the other sense, I feel like it's almost reactionary against, like, I don't know. You know the violence in Hong Kong action movies? Yes. Just an explodey blood bag and then the guy's gone and that's it. I think it it's more interested in, you know, how the human body actually works and getting you all sickened by watching that kind of crack rather than just the kill bill splashy stuff that's what i would say anyway uh julie d is very interested in body horror i would say that is her shtick no have you listened to her speak at all no she's uh fluent in english she's very very intelligent i would love to let uh, because she's also yeah, a pretty I lady a, too 
She is. Uh, I've I've watched a couple of interviews with her. She's very smart. Hmm. I have a, I have a lot of respect for her. I'm going to seek that out. Uh, extremely eloquent in her second language in a way that uh, fills me with shame about my first language. <laughs> so and respect she, to her. Yeah. So, I mean, I haven't seen any interviews with her. What is she interested in with her filmmaking? What's she going for? I think what you see, this... Uh, I think her interest is looks to be largely in the female body and the experiences of being a lady. Mm. and uh some of the less let's say the less uh the less nice parts the slightly more icky parts yeah she does this i can't think of uh, another example of when people do this i'm sure there are others out there but she does that trick of genre filmmaking but then you know, in the case of Raw, about thirty minutes into it, you're like, "Oh, this is a this is about this isn't about cam- cannibalism. This is about a different thing. This is about like family and sisters and shit like that." You know, and like the body horror like adds an uh, an interesting element to it, and you know the cannibalism and you know eating raw chicken out of a fridge and shit. It gives you it punctuates you with very strong imagery uh, the whole way through. But really, it's like a coming of age film about family, which is madness. And uh, a Titan, I mean, starts out as a serial killer movie, but it, then it kind of morphs into a film sort of about unconditional love, I would say. I just wanted to talk a little bit more about Raw for a second. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Let's do it. Well, I thought it, I think of... it's the better of the two films. I, I prefer yeah, Raw. Yeah, yeah. That's why I thought it was a more interesting film, but I, I have a clip of my favorite scene. I was so mad, I called Richard Pryor's house up and said, yo, Richard, Bill Cosby just called me up and told me I was too dirty. And Richard said, the next time motherfucker called, tell him I said, suck my dick. Yeah, I, I like that. I just thing. thought that was, I thought it was a really interesting, I like the part where the guy was in the purple leather suit. Yeah, yeah, he it was, was really good. bad words, and he did impressions and made noises. I mean, to get such a performance out of Eddie Murphy, she must be very eloquent in English, you're right. Do you know what? She was only four years old when she made that film as well. What? Wow. And she wrote it as well? Yeah, she wrote all... uh, Which is her liberal use of the N-word is quite disturbing. Has she said she regrets any stuff that she included in it? Any of the more homophobic jokes near the start? She actually said she wishes she doubled down on that. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, she wanted to do more. I thought Raw was very good. I enjoyed it. I I think what... um, I think what I liked about Raw, <laughs> I still keep thinking about Eddie Murphy. <laughs> this is a problem. I, I shouldn't have my done that. more my my, I, my, uh, like, <laughs> my go to uh, African American comedian reference, and it was actually more to the uh, you know the Patrice O'Neill joke in Ele- in Elephant in the Room, where he's like, "Oh my God, you let me go raw. We're gonna die." <laughs> uh, yeah, I was thinking about that. Oi. I think what I liked most about Raw was. The setting in the veterinary school. Yeah, it was interesting. It just—it felt like something I'd never seen before. And real. I've seen bits of that before. I feel it's come up on this podcast. But I was living in Belgium, and wor- yeah. like I, I was hanging around like students a lot, and I got to see an awful lot of that pledge business take place firsthand. Like it's madness. They're really into it, and I would be a social outcast in those school because I'd yeah. be like, "No, I'm not doing that." Yeah, there's one t- like uh, there's one point. Uh, the main character Justine's walking along a corridor, and like a second year student bumps into her and is like, "Hey, freshman, put yeah, your yeah. head down." I just fucking punched her. Yeah, I would. Just, I'm not gonna eat that shite. Um, Get away. Yeah, and all like all the 
skullduggery that's going on. Like she just wakes up in the middle of one evening so and walks into a room. Someone throws a bunch of blue paint on her and puts her in a room with this yellow creep. It's luckily like, she bites his lips off. I thought, uh, yes. uh, like, so just to get, if anyone's listening to this going like, what is raw actually about Eddie yeah, Murphy okay. telling jokes? It is that. But it's also, so it's about this young uh, lady called Justine, again, played by Garon Smirelier, as she plays a character called Justine. Who's perfect in of, casting uh, in this for what films. the character is, I'd say. She's brilliant. Yeah. So she's a daughter of two uh, vets. Her sister is studying uh, veterinarian, whatever science studies studying to be a vet mm. uh, at a university so she's uh this character justine is just starting off in her first her like her freshers week at school pledge week rush week whatever and uh yeah so she's from a family of vets at some point she has to eat uh, a piece of rabbit liver but she has been uh, a vegetarian for her in her her entire life mm. and then after eating this little bit of uh, rabbit liver she becomes addicted to eating flesh and gets a taste for human flesh yeah somewhat bad consequences for people's limbs and lips and lives so yeah i i think that's like it's just a you know as a setting and a theme to run through it yeah somebody who attends a vegetarian attending veterinary school who gets a taste for flesh and you know that kind of you know it i don't know to build a film around kind of coming of age and personal awakening with that as your setting and you know your main activity throughout that's brilliant that's i just think i love that as a combination and just, you know, that as a starting point and build a film around that. And then it's really helped by, yeah, great performances and just kind of iconic imagery throughout. Like, you know, every five minutes or so, you just see something that'll just stick in your head. Like there's a part where you just see a horse on a treadmill. Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's amazing looking. Or, uh, I mean, you know... there. <laughs> Uh, the part where she's got like all her hair in her mouth and she's got to pull it out and Ugh, oh, it's like disgusting. really, really. Or the part where the two sisters are pissing on the roof together. You know, they're pissing like that blokes. That part I enjoyed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not enjoy or not. I'm just, you know, talking. There's like so many just little moments that just make it like nice mm -hmm. sort of cool filmmaking. Sort of, I don't know, just in a more hyperatic, frenetic way than this filmmaker, but it kind of reminded me of the early films of Danny Boyle, I would say. That's right, although I was disappointed that no one swam in a toilet. Well, I'm always disappointed that no one swims in a toilet. Uh, the only my only criticism of Raw, I would say, is it kind of felt like it ran out of steam towards the end a little bit. I just feel like the, like, spoilers for Raw for the ending, but the mm. reveal is that the father uh, kind of unbuttons his shirt and shows that he's covered in scars because their mother uh, Eats is, all, is, also, is also a sort of, likes feeding on flesh, so... I just think that's a throwaway horror movie ending. I think it's yeah. got li little to do with the rest of the film, to be honest. So I I'll mean, just finish it with like the sister gets sent to gets sent to prison, and that's it. Uh, no, no, no. I'm I'm fine with the ending, but I'm just saying. I'm suppose I'm making excuses for it, um, but it's like it's very much a, a genre inflected ending. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. it, it's like, I don't know, horror films are always interested in giving you one more beat in the story right before the credits roll, and there you have that one. Like, well, that's, I, see, that, this, this is a big difference from, uh, from the short that she made, Junior, because that mm. doesn't have anything like that. It just ends with 
It ends with the Justine character now having sort of turned into a beautiful young lady and she's just walking along the roads with her friend. And it's like, the end, puberty's over. Hey, yeah, but I mean, that's short films for you. Short films are like short stories. They're mo- like, you know, a moment expanded on, basically. Whereas, you know, th- this will would have different beats in the story. Like, And I do, th- like, I feel like her place in in the school develops interestingly visually as the film goes on like when she first arrives and she's attending parties and stuff she's at one party in particular like that i've said this before many times in the podcast but it reminded me so much of myself arriving at university that it was almost painful and then as it goes on and she starts consuming human flesh (laughs) she seems to be more comfortable around the place you know um i think it evolved interestingly like that I thought there's one scene in it where, um, again, you know, the cannibal stuff is just interesting to include. It adds a, like a kind of a, a more genreified way of, of looking at this story. But it's, you know, it's coming of age awakening. You know that part where the video is going around of her jumping at the corpse's arm? Yeah. Like that, you know, you've seen stuff like that at universities, you know, people, like videos going yeah, around of people. Yeah, not so much people. in a morgue. Why do no. they have a morgue? Is that because there's also like... A must medical be. school attached? Yeah, must be. Anyway. Or are they like humans or animals too? This was uh, Enemy of the Show, Mark Kermode's favorite uh, film of the year 2016. Um, it's a very typical choice from him, I must say. Uh, like a horror film with a feminist uh, uh, through line through it. But um, I did, like I was a big fan of this when it came out. This week was the first time I've seen it since it came out. And I thought it, it holds up brilliantly. And uh, yeah, I would watch this again. Uh, in a few years, you know, I I just think it's a very enjoyable film. You wouldn't know. No, yeah, I I, I liked it more than uh, than Titan. What issues would you lay at the feet of of uh, Titan? Before, like this was her follow up film, won the Palme d'Or last year. It is more challenging material than um, than Raw. I would say it's like it's a real it's a it's a whole big bucket of fucked up. <laughs> I think is how I, I would... Uh, I don't know if I have a criticism of Titan. I just think I find Raw more interesting. I think Titan is a beautiful, well-made film. Uh, I thought it gets possibly, boring I, I a feel little like, in the middle. Uh, I, don't, I, I wasn't a fan of the star. As soon as um, the murder in the, in the house scene happened when she kills the three people and tries yeah. to kill the fourth and she kills Justine, that's when the film really picked up for me because it opened up and there was a sense of freedom where I had no yes. idea what was going to happen next. But the, the the start of the film, I was not into at all. The car show, the mm. murder of the, the first guy, the fan. So yeah, I, once, it, once it kind of picked up and um, it sort of moved on and I got an idea of where the film was going, I was, I was far more into it. But I think possibly, uh, maybe it was when we watched Crash, but I, I think I said, I'm not into cars. Yeah. <laughs> That's my biggest criticism. And uh, uh, something about having a car baby. <laughs> <laughs> She's really into cars. Yes, she does she, like. I don't. Cars. I don't like people being that into cars. Mm. Either like talking about their engines or having sex with them. Uh, Equally as bad in my book. Watching like super French French films on the podcast, I'm always a fan of that because it gets me the it gives me the opportunity to just outright ask. Because this isn't about what it's about. What it's about. So, what do you think this is about? I thought the key scene for me, well, apart from the first murder, the scene that I that from my limited knowledge of what this is about, I mm. assumed it was the scene where she's on the bus and there's a bunch of 
twats at the back who are yeah. going on and on. She's already dressed as a as the the young or as the the, the, the Adrian. son Adrian, mm. and there's a there's a lady next to her who's the one who's getting shouted at. And at that point, she's kind of the 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 main character is choosing whether to leave or escape. But then at that point, she's kind of shares a glance with the lady next to her and mm. doesn't do anything, doesn't fuck up the kids. She gets off the bus and goes back. But I kind of interpreted that as like her choosing to stay as a man rather than being a woman because it was like being a woman in that world is tough hmm. and was kind of had had pushed her towards murder. There's definitely there's definitely shades of that. I thought um the her being a serial killer stuff was I don't feel like the film was too interested in that. I think that they that almost like with Raw, you know, they're taking their cannibal film but they're exploring something different with it. I feel like, you know, you have a slasher a, a real clear genre film to start out. It's a slasher film. Um, and then they completely break away from that and are interested in something different. I think, I mean, it makes sense because you do want to point, like, one thing, okay, I'll, I'll lay something by you here. Do you think, like, basically, her dad just seems like a fucking asshole? Is that fair? Like a bad Certainly, guy? Uninterested in being uh, a father, I would say. We don't, we see so little of him. I mean, I'd you, say we see opening, enough. We have that opening scene where it starts, she's in the back of the car and she's mm. making car noises. And starts kicking the seat, and she takes off her seatbelt. As far as I'm concerned, as the father there is well within his rights to crash the car. <laughs> Just, I think that's like a real teachable moment for his daughter, and she needs to learn that you know her head should maybe have a metal plate in it. Exactly. The key, even after she gets her, so to, after the car crash, she gets an operation to have a metal plate put in her head, a titanium plate, mm. if you will. She comes out and then she kisses the car. Yes. See, Is like, that, she's already in love with cars as a child. So I, I feel like the motivation of that character, I kind of read it Well, no, it it's the titanium like, played in her head. Is, kind of, cause is it's that like, what it is? She's so, at such a disconnect from her actual father that that being put into her flesh, I would say, into her whole... like is They're kind of making a leap and putting it part of her genetic makeup and then she's making this, having this connection to the car. It's all very fucking... French is what it is. I already read it. I already read it as she was already had like a strong connection to cars for the just for the fact that she yeah. was going. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, I'd say that's there too. But then you know, very clearly, once she gets out with the titanium plate in her head, and the father is just kind of looking. Oh, Jesus Christ! I really got away with something here, didn't I? Um, so he's not. He's like, not looking distraught. Like that's the thing. He doesn't look upset like by what serious, happened to his daughter. Uh, serious daddy issues. Yeah, this is it. That's what I'm. I'm kind you, of going. You need at. to be careful. What? You have a daughter. Oh right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I just thought. I was like, did, did I say something me tooable just now? <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Always. So I do, I think there's that shade of it. Keep your um, daughter away from cars. And you do get the sense like they sh- they have a very like a, there's a scene where she her father gets up and goes to make breakfast or something and then she like and she goes and makes her what breakfast. What a dick! Well. You're right. And, what a dick! And it's just completely silent and there's clearly you know. Not much love lost between them, and they. She's also m- an adult child living at home who works as a showgirl. Yeah, 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 for <laughs> at sure. Car shows. Yeah, who has like fans? It reminded me of. Do you ever read the uh, David Foster Wallace essay about um, porn stars? No. About yeah, going to a porn convention. I think it's in. It's the first um, essay in his book. Consider the lobster. It's really good, but that 
that energy, particularly from the guy after the show saying he's a big fan and stuff like that, is exactly like the porn convention. It's just like, oh, God, this is sad how you are this way with it. But, I, I like I that was maybe part of the reason that I didn't really like the start of the film was I mm. didn't buy the I didn't buy the car show and the dancers have fans. I was like, what is this? Maybe that's a real mm. thing, but I just didn't maybe, buy yeah. it. I was like, what is this? This is too much. Uh, yeah. I was, Whereas a lady shagging a car that I can really <laughs> get behind. She does love shagging that a car, car, baby. Yeah. And she has a she car tries baby. to give herself a tries to give herself a bit of a car abortion as well, mm. but. But then, like I said, take. yeah, later later in the film, you just like all that's all that stuff with the fireman fake dad. That's just like that's it evolves towards a story that's about completely unconditional love. I thought. Uh, critic Jude Dry of IndieWire labeled this film both uh, misogynistic and transphobic. I've heard people found it transphobic, but I haven't heard why. Did you dig into that any? No, I. I I didn't go any further than that. I guess it's, I don't, I, I don't know. I think maybe just even commenting on it about the fact that it's in that area could have put it into, I guess, uh, you know, it's not a, it's not a, a modern take or something. Well, it was Dave Chappelle's favorite film of last year. Is that true? No. <laughs> <laughs> joke. I don't know what his favorite film is. It could have been this. Dave, Dave Chappelle just heard about the end. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> heard about the accusations of transphobia and wrote she a blurb a wrote a blurb for the blu-ray i though once again i mean i just like yeah I, I thought it was very interesting i would probably watch this again i didn't enjoy it as much as raw but i thought it was just a, a quite a, do you know what it reminded me of a lot that we watched on this podcast see can you rust, get it rust and bone rusty boners a little bit of rusty boners and a little bit of um B- Beau Travai. Mm. With all it's the firemen French. dancing and stuff. Yeah, it's yeah, super yeah, French. yeah. De- there's definitely there's what was that guy's name? Uh, Danny Levant. There's a, yeah. the 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 father reminds me a bit of him. Uh, yeah, totally. Um, and also like dancing's a big part of the film. You know, there's mm-hmm. loads of fucking dancing in it. And actually, do you know what's men dancing together? The 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 highest form, the most evolved form of dancing. Do you know what's like an amazing scene in it? absolutely incredible what a performer is when she does the sexy dance as a man i've I, what i enjoyed about that scene was that the firemen have all been dancing together in what is one of the gayest <laughs> groupings yeah, yeah. of men <laughs> just firemen with music their shirts, shirts off, off dancing yeah. <laughs> looking like a looking like a, a gay russian disco yeah, and yeah, then yeah. he gets up. The the uh, <laughs> actually gets is li- is lifted up on top of a fire engine and does a sexy dance. And they all just have all the firemen have a look on their face like that's too much. That's too on the nose. <laughs> we like to be a bit more repressed in our homosexuality. But no, I I thought that was um I just thought that was incredible because it's like like clearly in that moment you know she's a lady like whatever like there's something very sexy and feminine that's just that's just unachievable by men sorry men who think they can do that i I think you're wrong i think men can do that ah fair enough good for you but uh yeah i I thought that was just incredible in general i she won an um best actress at Cannes for this didn't she did she i think so and i would say right for i think it's an incredible performance Absolutely. I, 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 I preferred the dance scene where they're all dancing to the uh, Future Islands song. Yeah, that, that was good. Better. That was good when they're all in the bar. Have you ever seen Future Islands live? Yeah. 
What did you think? Uh, to, to, uh, to answer your question, no, she uh, didn't win uh, oh. a, a can award. What's her name? Agathe Roussey. What did I think of Future Islands? They were great. I saw, I've seen them a couple of times. I saw them live. I enjoyed the show. But when I was in the middle of the show, it was only then that I realized that all of their songs sound exactly the same. Yeah, all the songs sound the same, but it's all about the uh, stage presence of whatever the guy's name is, Sam, Sammy Sams. The Be More uh, native, yeah. Sammy Sams, Him. yeah. Doing all the kind of <laughs> type singing, which I exactly. Yeah, yeah. I remember like myself and Belen went to see them. And we were just uh, walking away from Razzmatazz, just uh, laughing our heads off, just doing random impressions of songs yeah. that could have been them. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. Like, do you want to chat cast a little bit? We chat cast. Who you so, got? We, well, we already mentioned her, but uh, Agatha Roussel, this was her first film. So uh, Julie D really captured some of that Sasha Lane energy, like in uh, American Honey. Have you seen American Honey? No. Well, the That's fact- the, uh, what's her name? Andrea Andrew Arnold. Arnold film? Yeah, 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 it's excellent. I haven't seen um, it. It's got... Uh, Sasha, is, 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 uh, what's his name? Shia LaBeouf. Shia the Beef. Yeah, yeah, Shia the lady beater. He beat up FKA Twigs. Did you hear about that? He's a bad man. He is a bad man, but he's great in that movie. <laughs> it's in it. And Sasha Lane is too. Just she had never worked on anything before and neither had this lady, neither had Agatha. She was a journalist, a feminist journalist. Even though she studied acting, uh, she was fully engaged in being a, a, a feminist journalist. And uh, I feel, yeah, like for her first performance, she really, really committed. And um, really when she has her, her breasts, when she's standing with her breasts out and her, and her pregnant belly, mm. it kind of remind, reminded me of when like, I was at my peak of drinking. I had a similar body shape. Really? <laughs> that's, where all the, that's where the beer goes. Boobies and belly. Boobies? You, did you have breasts? Oh, de- yeah, definitely. I've, I've lost a lot of cup size, <laughs> which is sad. It's very sad because it, it makes it a lot harder to do those type of like dances on a fire engine. When I go to the <laughs> local fire station and dance for the fellas, it's a lot harder for me to... I knew a boy who had a mammasectomy in um, secondary school. Mama, 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 mama. Respect. Yeah, mama, his, respect to me. Got his breasts uh, removed. Yeah, so this lady was a journalist, then she was uh, in fashion, and then she was an actress. It all seems like a, a completely artistic French career tra- trajectory, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I think that's fine. I think mm. all of those things are all the same in France. They're all one thing. Yes, I must uh, take some photos of a soup can later today, and then I am acting tomorrow. Like that. That kind of shit. You lived, yeah. you lived in Belgium. I lived in France for nine months. Where did you live? And I, Lyon. Lyon. Welcome to the place where the heat is on all night on the beach to the <laughs> break right. of dawn. That's, That's what place. I'm used to saying. And then they'd be like, isn't that by Miami? I'd say, no. <laughs> Welcome to Lyon. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I, I studied at university there. And all I remember, like we were talking about in uh, Raw, was... The students would, because it was, uh, I was doing uh, politics, and the students would come up in the middle in a break. It was like a fifteen-minute break, and uh, students would come up and do little skits in front of the lecture room about politics and communism and stuff. There's just that. Uh, there's there's something about being French. <laughs> Finish that sentence. <laughs> that just irks you. That is so great. 
<laughs> I res- by God, I respect it. No, nah, this is like there's I don't know. There's a there's a part of French. There's there's this aspect of French culture which is they got they got strong emotions and they like to display them. I yeah. respect it. Yeah, it's strange though. It's like if like I went to France last year for about ten days driving around the south. And um, on like on one hand, you know, you go to a nice French restaurant, you get, you know, you feel, oh yeah, this is so good. They're giving me this 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 nice cheese over here, and they're presenting the duck in a nice way, and it's oh, it's so French. Oh my god, I'd just like them to wear a beret, and I'd be home, and you get nice bread in your bakery. But then uh, also, there's the fact that like you know, everybody's just going around listening to shit French hip hop, and they're they actually all look like they're um, you know yardies. <laughs> <laughs> or something and it's just like you know i mean there's a we have a have you ever heard of a, what they call a paris syndrome yeah for yeah, asians yeah. going when to asians the, would be, paris for the first time yeah and are just disappointed by how much of a bunch yeah. of cunts and all they, the parisians yeah. are <laughs> and they get like a physical illness yeah yeah and they get they lock themselves in their great. hotel rooms it's so yeah. funny <laughs> that's how disappointing the french are by how disappointing paris is yeah 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 <laughs> Well I mean, Paris. I would say though they also, you know, I mean, that's the reason why they needed that Mishima character. You know, that's a, that's a weak yeah. reaction. You're weak if you're a go- real man. We need to watch Mishima eventually. We, we sure fucking do. Anyway, yeah, uh, that's uh, what we think about French people. Also, so uh, playing Alexia's father is actually a guy directly associated with the French extremity movement. A guy called a. Uh, Bertrand Bonello, and he uh, his uh, film The Pornographer was uh, was a big deal in that movement. Won won oh. something called uh, the Fepreski Prize, and it was also nominated at the Cannes Film Festival for the Palme d'Or. So there you nice. go. Yeah, yeah, bit of a full circular there. I think he's uh, you know effectively a total cunt in the film. He does well he's with it. So he's barely in it. I, you're really. I'm surprised how harsh you're coming out against the father. I feel like he's yeah. He's, would, he's so barely in it. I just feel like Alexia's problems Bertrand are kind Bonello. of her own. All right, I will. Next lad, I suppose you could say he gets his second billing in the film, really. A fella called uh, Vincent Lindon. Have you uh, found out anything about Vincent Lindon? I know that he dated uh, Jacques Chirac's daughter, and then he yeah. also... Uh, and later the dated, Princess of Monaco. Uh, yeah, Princess of Monaco. So well done to him. He's, That's he's, pretty he's, awesome, isn't it? He is up there. That was my takeaway as well. Yeah, I like yeah. You you know, I mean, one of the big through lines in the um, film is like you know he's an old guy who's like you know built like a brick shit house and in, injecting steroids Inject all steroids the time in his bum hole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Just to look at him, he kind of he does. I I I get a you know a bit of a Oliver Reed feeling off him or something. You know what I mean? You think? Do you think he's? I think he's been drinking steroids instead, though. Instead oh no, no, no! Alcohol. Not the drinking, not the drinking side of, of Oliver Reed steroids. The no more the side of Oliver Reed, like you wouldn't leave him in the room with your mother, kind of thing. Yeah, he seems like he's French acting royalty. I don't know if he's been in a ton of stuff, but the fact that he's he's already shagged like a politician's daughter and like monogasque royalty. He was in. He's a, certainly he's certainly proven. He's proven himself. He was in Isle of Dogs, a film about Ireland, but he, <laughs> that was only the uh, French dub, unfortunately. <laughs> Oh, was it? Oh, you've done your yeah. research. Well, of course you have. You, oh, you pr- do you want to just do the cast, Andy? Do you want to just no, fucking I do I, it? That was it. That was it. Once I saw that someone had shagged a princess, I was like, all right, I'm out. 
It also it also has a I mean must be a lucky charm for old Julie D got Garance uh, Marillier um, who gets disposed of early enough in the early en- uh, enough in the film. Her first acting was actually in that film, Junior, and then I mean she's con- she's been yeah her lucky charm. She was in that film with Eddie Murphy that um, well, I mean before she was born. Yeah, she's pretty cool. In that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, she played Eddie Murphy. I find which that I find that one scene the the one scene in this film where. She, her her nipple piercing is being bitten. That made me physically Oy. uncomfortable. Yes. Did not care for that. That's where I was going, no, no, don't stop it. Is that like a big feminist achievement if they have a movie with loads of lads out, but they strive to make it not sexy at all? That must be a, well, some it was, sort of a... It was, it was very effective. Yes. Because I saw naked nude parts and not, no part of me was considering it as a bonus. If anything, I was going, Ugh, yeah, get it away, get them all away from me. Yeah, I just want to be with the man in. in the fire station. Yes. <laughs> Take me to the fire station. That's where yes. I feel safe. Put put on the techno. Get our get, shirts put, off. Put, get techno or future islands, and let's just dance like men are supposed to. I mean, yeah, uh, those were sailors. I know they were firemen, but really, they were sailors. You're right. right. Yeah, they, yeah, they yeah. had the souls of sailors, and yeah, that was for sure. A, that was a that was a future island sea shanty. <laughs> no broads. Yeah. yeah. It's just the fellas hanging out, doing some Ted dancing, and that's it. Yeah. Oh God. It does look fun being a fireman though, doesn't it? In France, certainly. <laughs> Do you know the the best thing about that is like if you find your long lost son, you can just m- make him a fireman. There's nothing you you know, it's not like he needed to pass any tests or anything. You're just like, yeah. by the way, my son's a fireman now. He's going to do mouth-to-mouth on a lady. Even though you're trained, you go outside because my son is here. Yeah. That's great. I mean, that's, okay. that's why that level of nepotism is something I support. Indeed, I do. I do too, yes. So uh, we can chat plot a little bit, I suppose. We've already gone through most of it at this point. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll, just, I'll just leg through yeah. it quickly. I bet I can cover it pretty quickly. So uh, we got this lady, this little girl who gets into a car crash and gets a titanium plate put in her head. Alexia. And then, and then uh, Alexia, she grows up to be like a, a stripper, a car stripper, but she's also in love with cars and has sex with them. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then uh, she makes ma- uh, she makes uh, uh, friends with what's uh, Justine, uh, Justine. Yes, th- uh, who's another sort of stripper. And then she goes over to her house and just murders everybody. We've uh, already yeah, seen... Wait, 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 wait. What about that first kill? Yeah, yeah. So we've already seen she's a serial killer because this guy's like, hey, I love you. You're, I'm your biggest fan or <laughs> whatever. And then she takes out like a hair clip thing and just stabs yeah, him in the it's, ear. It's, it's, she's, she uses like a knitting needle as like a hairpin. Mm. So it looks like a name. Uh, I have one question about that. What is it well, with the... She stabs him in the head. Mm. And she, she stabs someone else later on with her and the same thing happens. The, he foams at the mouth. Yeah. Is that what happens? Is that actually what happens in well, that I, case? Well, I heard that I if you stabbed get stabbed in the ear, in the it causes the victim to bite down hard. Oh, yeah? Where did yeah. you hear that? Was that when you were in prison? Uh, yeah. Well, no, I actually... <laughs> a bunch of guys were going to have their way with me. And uh, they says to me... You told them that. They says to me, uh, uh, "You gonna you gonna swallow what I give you to swallow," and yeah. uh, I I said that, and they didn't find that helpful at all. They just beat the shit out of me and fucked me up the ass. <laughs> I'd like to say that the I'd like to say that the sisters left Donica alone. I wish I could tell you that. Hey, why do they call you Red? I guess because I'm Irish. 
Cause, cause of my red ass. It's red raw. Like the Julia Ducournau film. Exactly like that. Starring uh, Eddie Murphy. Starring Eddie right. Murphy. No, actually, it's, it's uh, the lady who plays Justine plays Eddie Murphy. Garance. Yeah. Uh, anyway, fucking... So, yeah, transpires she's a serial killer. She murders a bunch of people in the, at this house party, and then she goes home, locks her parents in a room, in their room, and... Um, Sets fire to the house. We don't really find out what happens with them because then she just hitchhikes oh, away. Be fine. That'd be They're grand. Fine. She uh, shaves her head and breaks her nose in a scene quite reminiscent of a uh, dog tooth. If anybody's ever seen that Yangos, uh, yeah. Yargos Lanthimos film, uh, yeah, that's rough. That's rough stuff. That the nose break is. But then she's yeah. off. No me gusta. And then taking uh, taking a little uh, taking its cue a little bit from. A documentary film from a real life story, like The Imposter. The Imposter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a, that was. A, I was trying to think of the films that this reminded me of: Cronenberg's Crash, The Imposter, a bit Autre of uh, a bit, yeah, of the, uh, some typical French things like Leos mm. Carax and some other, fi- and yeah, Claire Denis, and then also a bit of like Demon Seed with the car, and, but like a car instead of a mm. evil evil computer. I've never seen demons Sh- shagging a shagging a metal thing. Yes, having a metal baby. Hell yeah! The, in the imposter, famous Lisa, it's got that you got this con man for real life uh, who pretends to be a uh, missing. He's like in his early twenties, and he pretends to be a kid who went missing in the United States, um, who would now be fourteen years old and goes to live with his old family. And while he's there, he figures out that maybe the family actually murdered the boy themselves because they're so accepting of him. It's interesting, but yeah, this I, is... I, it is it is a very similar thing of like, mm. and and that's obviously a true story. But just the person who finds their long lost child doesn't question anything and just goes like, "Yes, it's them," because yeah. they know that they're lying to themselves. Yeah, but it's like it's yeah, it's such an interesting move for the film to make. It's it's a complete like 90 degree left turn from where we thought we were going i would say when that happened that's why i liked it it's just mm. it felt different it felt confident oh. and self self-assured and i was like all right i'm happy to go along with this because i as i said i didn't care for the start and I, the start just felt like yeah, yeah i've seen all this before yeah in well a way. It, i'm like oh lady serial killer all right it sounded like i mean the way it started out i felt like yeah i could watch this i mean but it also felt like, uh, I don't know, less interesting than I had anticipated mm. the film would be. Like, just a straight yeah. up, it felt like a straight up slasher movie. And it just takes a complete left turn into this weird thing because, yeah. And I have a feeling that's deliberate, by the way. Because, I mean, she does a similar trick with uh, Raw, you know? Mm-hmm. So then she says she's the missing son of this fireman. This fireman by the name of... Vincent. It's the same as the actor. Vincent. Vincent. Yeah, she says... She says he, uh, She's his missing son after like strapping her body and her belly down painfully. Um, and he accepts it unquestionably, takes her to live or him in the firehouse where he lives. And basically she sort of becomes one of the guys, you know, at one point in the movie, the missing kid's mother comes to meet him and she's basically she says it's a, a very interesting because you know you're expecting her to blow it up because so she yeah. walks in on um she walks in on alexia when she's topless and she can see her breasts and her pregnant belly and she said like she says look I, I don't care who you are just like look after vincent basically which um is is interesting and then you know as the film goes on she kind of becomes more accepted amongst the firemen she does that uh, odd thing where um 
she does the the sexy dance for them, which um, again I thought I thought that was a mesmerizing bit of um, acting. I thought it was amazing. But earlier in that, she gives she does mouth to mouth on uh, some old lady who has a heart yes. attack while her son is ODing. So that's the one way that she's kind of proven herself a little bit. And then, well, there's next a scene thing- out in the forest. Yes, there's a there was a shot amazingly. I would say, yeah, as well. looked beautiful, looks great, stunning. And then. Eventually, as the, it, like this is the sort of wind down of the whole thing, uh, the parts of her belly fall away, and there's some sort of a titanium structure revealed underneath. She's having given birth to a titanium baby, and then eventually, she like it becomes more and more obvious that Vincent knows that this is not uh, his son. But then, so eventually, when she comes to him and she's in labor and she's like a naked lady, he says, "I don't care who you are; you are my son." That's what it is. Mm. Uh, which, yeah. That's I, uh, for me. That really spelled out the themes. Whatever weird visual journey uh, Julie D wants to take us on, I feel like that's like a big central theme. Is just this idea of sort of unconditional love. Um, because the thing is, as well, I mean, we never really forget. At least I never forgot. I mean, this lady is a a serial killer. That scene where she murders all the people at the party is fucking brutal. They don't deserve that. Uh, like that's stuck in my head. You know, I'm like. Doesn't matter what, like what, like she is collecting unconditional love, despite the fact that obje- objectively speaking, she does not deserve any. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's not, uh, there's no happy ending for her, except that her her car baby has someone to look after. Oh, she, yeah, she did, ex- as you say, she received unconditional love, which mm. you're saying that the father is responsible for her becoming a serial killer. I think she was, I think she was, she was just a wrong and. I think she was a wrong and I'm not saying he's necessarily wrong. I'm not saying she's necessarily responsible. He's necessarily responsible. I'm saying her father appears to be an arsehole in direct contrast to this later father figure. Well, we're all arseholes, but we don't all kill people. All right. (laughs) Okay. Fair enough. Thanks. Thank you. Good for you. Not killing Mm -hmm. people. Anyway. And also proudly being an arsehole. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Um, And then. Next thing, uh, she dies, and Vincent has the car baby to raise for himself, so he gets his son half replacement. Half half machine. What does it mean? Once again, like it's just one of the great, one of the things I really enjoy about doing this podcast. Like having just talked through it again, it it has made me want to watch it again, and I would watch it again probably sooner rather than later while it's still in my head to get maybe a better understanding. Because the thing is, I felt when the Alexia first goes to live in the firehouse, it lags just a tiny bit, but it picks up again very quick after that i mean so generally speaking it moves on at a nice clip i would say this film i did prefer raw but there's a it's like titan titan is a very uh interesting film like i'll think about titan more than raw i thought raw was a better film overall i agree with you but titan is the one that'll probably stay with me Okay, so that brings us to the end of uh, Julie D and the Martyrs. Uh, we've Bye. we've gone through everything with them. Uh, yeah, it was a fun detour to France. We like doing those occasionally. Uh, boring, pretentious, uh, transgressive, challenging French films. We're done. So, uh, what are you putting up on the chopping block for next week? The next well, I double bill week, next which time, is in yeah, because it's not going to be next week. We, we, I think we can. Uh, well, make sure we. How about we say what next week's going to be now? Oh yeah, and then hell we can yeah! Do the toss. Let's do that. So then, the next episode of of the Call It Friend of podcast, we're going to talk about Paul Thomas Anderson's Licorice Pizza. Yes, exactly. Finally, the release dates have lined up. It's available for everybody, and uh, we can both get a look at it and uh, talk Licorice Pizza. I have mentioned having What's seen that? it already on the pod. I was a big fan of it. I'm going to watch it again, and uh, we can break it down a little bit more. 
because uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I was a I was a fan and I in general I'm a just I I worship at the altar of uh, Paul Thomas Anderson. I'm a huge fan. I'm also going to watch Inherent Vice. I think I'm going to watch Punch Drunk Love because it's the film I've seen the fewest times of the others. Mm. And also okay. when I first watched it, it was like a DVD copy. I'd I, like to watch a nice Blu-ray. I will watch uh, Inherent Vice again also, and I will also probably watch my favorite Paul Thomas Anderson film, The Master. Mm. I do enjoy The Master. Mm. But then again, I like Magnolia and Hard Eight. And, I uh, like everything. I'm, I'm going to go on the yeah. limb and saying like they're all, all fucking brilliant. They're all yeah, great. Yeah. Yurt, yurt. But oh. for net for t- for two in two weeks time, mm-hmm. the film that I have brought for the toss is uh, a film that came to light when we watched Black Knight, <laughs> and that was huh? because uh, oh, yeah. the studio where they filmed Black Knight in uh, North Carolina, I think it was, they knocked down the set to this film. To uh to make way for the castle set for in Black Knight and that was uh, 1985's Year of the Dragon the Michael Cimino film about triads Sweet. and stuff triads and stuff I'm in and stuff it's largely triads and then a bit of stuff okay so mine was like I've brought up Jalo films before on the podcast including Jello. on this episode I'm uh, I'm yeah I'm interested in them and that little period in Italian filmmaking and then I heard in a interview with um, Edgar Wright recently, him saying that uh, the following was the best giallo film, and I've n- I had never seen it, so I'm putting to the table 1975's Dario Argento film, Deep Red. Rosso Profondo. Exactly. Is it my okay, week to well, toss? No, it's my turn, and I've got a, a, a British 10 pence, so I can say heads or tails. Outstanding. I'll take head. It is heads. Congratulations. Hell yeah. You want to hear what you would have won? Please, enlighten me. Well, I would have gone straight down the semi-parody route because I know if a, a, a listener of this show would like to hear us talk about this, we'll have to get to it another time. I was going to go John Carpenter's Big Trouble in Little China. Oh, I would have enjoyed that. Yard, have you seen that before? Yeah, but a long time ago. It's very good. I'll figure out Maybe a way. Maybe in the 80s. I'll figure out a way to bring it up again. Um, enemy of the show, Graham Rush. Thank you, Rushy. <laughs> All right. What are we watching? Along with uh, Profundo Rossi. Uh, I was going I, I to go for something that was insp- or kind of inspired by Jalo films. That was my original line of thinking. I was going to go for maybe uh, Alfred Hitchcock's Frenzy. There was a bunch of other things as well. Mm. Then I was thinking you know, maybe just some random Italian thing or a slasher or whatever. But instead, I decided to go for a film that I'm sure I'm sure you've seen Dario Argento's uh, follow up to Rosso Profondo or whatever it's called, Deep Red, uh, Suspiria. Ah, uh, no. What's wrong? Have you just watched it like last week? <laughs> no, I ju- I'm not a big fan. But uh, perfect. Uh, yeah, yeah. I've always been. It's to be to be honest. You know, it's so highly regarded that I like. I think I've only ever seen it twice, and I do feel a bit bad for not liking it more than I do because it's so highly <laughs> regarded. So probably due a rewatch because particularly um, I have watched an awful lot of Jellos in the last few years, so maybe my senses are more finely attuned to appreciate it. Cool. Are those are we watching both of those films? Hell Deep yeah, Red and Suspiria. All right, looking forward to it. So uh, until next time, bye bye. I'm going to be dancing Q Future Islands. <laughs>